In Luke chapter 5, verse 12, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, can you make me clean? Lord God, we come before you and we want to have the same spirit as this leopard, just totally impoverished. We want to bow down before you now and ask, Lord Jesus, that you continue just to feed your sheep, that you cleanse us and fill us. Open our eyes to our condition. Lord, we're, we, are, we think that we are clothed, Lord, and we're really naked and poor, wretched and blind. Point that out to our hearts, Lord. And where we are actually clothed, and the enemy keeps on pointing to us that we're naked and poor, we ask that we would see ourselves as we truly are. So, Lord, um, we ask for your wisdom this morning. We ask for your discernment. Not that we'd walk away with a bunch of knowledge, Lord, but that our hearts would be closer to you and seeking after you and finding you and just be sons and daughters who live by your spirit according to your word. And so begin to minister now, Lord, and speak through your word. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We had a little preemptive amen over there. It was awesome. Leprosy. A guy with leprosy comes to Jesus, falls down on his face before Jesus, and cries out, if you are willing. He begs him, if you are willing, will you uh, please make me clean? Leprosy was a really serious disease of the day, of biblical times, and still affects parts of Asia and other parts of, of the world today. But it's now quite often thought of that, that this biblical term, uh, leprosy, is, is what we call uh, Hansen's disease. Let me read you a little bit. Uh, it says, many have thought leprosy to be a disease of the skin. It is better classified, however, as a disease of the nervous system because the leprous bacterium attacks the nerves. Uh, leprosy's agent M, lepare, whatever that is, is, is a rod-shaped bacterium. So it was really fantastic. How many of you have been to... Uh, have been to uh, What's it called? Uh, Inland Octopus? Anybody been there? Yeah. My aunt and I were looking at these things yesterday. It was funny. They're, they have like all these really weird shaped little stuffed animals. And it's like educational. Anyways, they're like, they're little diseases, basically stuffed animals. Like she held up this flat, like this round one. She said, what's this? And it was mad cow disease. But it was this columnar. <laughs> and then I picked up a, a brain cell and I said, I need some of these. And she's like, yeah, you should put it on. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> By the way, my aunt is here this morning. My aunt Landa from San Diego. I love her. So, awesome woman of God. So we we were there. Anyways, it's this tubular uh, back bacterium. Leprosy is spread by multiple skin contacts, and so you could rub into people and get it, as well as by droplets from the upper respiratory t- tracts, such as nasal secretions and transmissions from one person to another. Its symptoms start in the skin and peripheral nervous system outside the brain and spinal cord, and then spread to other parts such as the hands and feet and face and earlobes. Patients with, uh, with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs, curling of the fingers to form the characteristic claw hand. Facial changes include thickening of the outer ear and collapsing of the nose. Tumor-like growths called uh, lepromas may form on the skin and in the respiratory tract. 
and the optic nerve may deteriorate, the largest number of deformities develop from loss of pain sensation due to ex- uh, extensive nerve damage. For instance, inattentive patients can pick up a cup of boiling water without flinching. So it attacks the nervous system to where they, it starts to where they can't start to feel things, and thus they lose the parts of their body, right? Uh, because they're bumping into stuff and when you get hurt. And so this, uh, it's just, you've got tumors that can grow on the outside and the inside of you. I mean, it's just a very crippling disease. And so it says in verse 12 that a man came along who was covered with leprosy. The effects were all over him. And it says, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What this man does and what he asks are really important. Um, how many of you are in the Wednesday evening uh, Bible study class? You, you all, this is your message, so we kind of went over this together. But what this man asks and what he does, is, it's very important. You can pick up a lot. It says that when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him. When's the last time that you've fallen on your face before anybody and begged them for something? Have you ever done that in your life? Fallen on your face and begged for something. Just have been so impoverished. And, and I just have to ask, what is going on in this guy's heart? What is going on in this guy's life? that would cause him to fall down in such a way before anyone but Jesus Christ. And, and what is it about Jesus that would cause him to fall down before him and beg him to cleanse him? And you can find out a lot about a person by listening to what they say. You ever figured that out? I'm working on that. But the man was begging Jesus to be what? What's the word? Is the word healed or is it cleansed? The Bible's specific. It wants to be cleansed. The Greek word there means cleansed. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to be healed, but there's a greater meaning behind it. And as we go to it, we can find more in the law. This man is in a cultural context, he's a Jew. He's in a society with laws and regulations, and they are under the law of Moses. And so the law is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, written by Moses, uh, given by God. And specifically in Leviticus chapter 13, speaks about infectious diseases of the skin. God had given the people of God, the Hebrews, the law through Moses when they were in the wilderness, wandering. After they had left Egypt on their way to the promised land, there was a 40-year gap. God had given them law. You can imagine two million people around in, you know, camping around in the wilderness. There needed to be some structure and law, what to eat, what not to eat, and all this type of stuff so that you would actually survive. But all, this is, all those are shadows and types of, uh, of, of different pictures, which we're not going to get into all of them right now, but... In Leviticus 13, you can imagine um, that if there's, there's these laws about skin, and you can imagine if someone got an infectious disease and you have too, many pe- too million people, how quickly something could spread within a group of people and eradicate them. Amen? 
And there's some things out there that are pretty nasty, and this, and this is one of them, as I already described it to you. In Leviticus 13, 1 through 8, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, who was the high priest, it says, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be defiling skin disease, they, they must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, who is a priest. And the priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. You've got to be concerned about this. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. You can't go to church. You can't be a part of society. You can't worship in the community of believers. If the shiny spot of the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair is not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. Quarantine. And on the seventh day, the priest is to examine them. And if he sees that the sore is unchanged, it is not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again. And if the sore has faded and has not spread to the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It's only a rash. Hooray. They must wash their clothes and they'll be clean. But if the rash does spread in their skin and they have shown themselves to, to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person. If the rash has spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin disease. And so uh, it, go, and, and it goes on and on there in, in verse 13 about different things, and chapter 13 about different things. But so the priests, for the sake of the population, they would quarantine people with contagious diseases. And they were the CDC of the land, basically. That's, that's what they were. They held many, uh, many roles. Uh, there wasn't the separation of church and state and all that. It was all together. And a person with this infectious disease would be called unclean and considered defiled and would be quarantined, uh, quarantined more, than, uh, more on that in a second. But the priests were the only ones who could declare that a person was clean or unclean. We've heard about it, uh, basically, with, with the epidemics going on over in Africa and stuff. They would quarantine people, and people from the CDC would have them. They'd have them quarantined because they don't, do not want the stuff to break out and spread and go all over the place. And so until the person from the CDC or a group of people, they determined this person was no longer infectious, they were to be remain quarantined. And it goes on and talks about it in Leviticus 13, 45 through 40. Uh, yeah, 45, it describes the life of the man with uh, leprosy, where it says in verse 45 of chapter 13, anyone with such a defiling Jesus wear clothes, wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean and they must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Are we painting a picture of what this guy's life is like? The reason they were isolated is because that could wipe out everybody else. And so they had to cry out, unclean. When people were coming by, they had to, by law, cry out, I'm contagious, stay away, unclean, unclean, unclean. They weren't able to worship and be a part of the society. There wasn't separation of church and state. Worship was, was the culture. That's, that's who they were as a people. God was it. Everything they did was around him. He was in the center of the camp. That's where the tent of tabernacles was. And then they had all the, the different various tribes arranged in a, like a cross, actually. 
And they had to be outside of that. They're outside the camp. Leviticus 7.21 says, Anyone who touches something unclean, whether human or uncleanness or an unclean animal or any unclean creature that moves along the ground and then eats any of the meat of the fellowship offering belonging to the Lord must be cut off from the people. You touch them, you become unclean. You are now isolated and segregated. And so did you want to touch someone who was unclean? No way. I don't want them anywhere near me because I don't want to have to, A, be separated for seven days and then just go through this stuff just so I can get back into it. But B, just the social stigma of the whole thing. Horrible. So this man is not asking to be healed. What is he asking for? To be cleansed. Healing is part of it. But that's not really what he's tormented over. He's asking to be cleansed. You see, he's separated. He's isolated. He's alone. He's hurting. He's got a disease he can't fix. He cannot cure. He has no ability. The people he's hanging out with can't fix himself. They're all lepers themselves. He lives outside the camp. He can't touch people. can't hug people. can't say... How's it going? Give him a high five. He has to cover his face. He's most likely deformed. Obviously, it says the disease was covering him. How tormented. And he sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus. News about Jesus had been spreading everywhere. Luke keeps repeating this. He's been curing all kinds of diseases and sickness and casting out demons. Lucas keeps issuing that Jesus has authority over all this stuff. The Messiah has authority over all that stuff. And he falls with his face towards the ground and begs Jesus, just in total poverty of spirit, in total need before Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He calls him Lord. He calls him Lord, first of all. He recognizes that Jesus is Lord. He has authority. He has power. Jesus is Lord. But he asks him humbling if you are willing. There's a humility of spirit. There's a brokenness within him if you are willing. Not do this for me, God. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And church, listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to what happened. Verse 13, what does it say? And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. After what I just described to you, what does that tell you about Jesus? He reaches out and touches that man and all that that means. And he says, I am willing. Another I am we miss, but I am willing. Be clean. And immediately what happened? The leprosy left him. The first thing that Jesus did is he touched him. You know, it says in the law that someone, if so you touch someone, what happens? You become unclean. That person would become unclean, but that isn't what happened. You see, church, Jesus reaches out and touches the unclean. And when he does that, he doesn't become unclean. The unclean get cleansed. He doesn't get defiled. He's the one who takes away defilement. 
He has power over that in our lives. Amen? Jesus reached out into this man's mess, his isolation, his disease that was from the inside out, his disfigurement, his darkness, and he touched him when no one else would. It's Jesus. He said to him, I am willing. Jesus, are you willing to cleanse me? I'm unclean. I'm broken physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm outside the camp. Are you willing to cleanse me? He's willing. He also said, be clean. Be clean. And what happens when Jesus speaks? Church, it happens. (laughs) Jesus spoke. He said, be clean. And what happened? The guy was, God was clean. It didn't make a difference what was going on, who was around, what the, what the ranks of whatever was. I mean, the forces of nature, when Jesus speaks, it, just, it happens. He has authority over all of that. When Jesus says you're clean, guess what happens? You're clean. I love that. Jesus has authority to cleanse the unclean. Now, if the Holy Spirit hasn't already been drawing parallels in your own mind and heart, you can see by now that leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. <clears throat> we know that. Many of us do. It's, it's a physical condi- condition that represents the spiritual condition of every person on earth. Sin is, is like a disease that is incurable. It's like leprosy. We think it's an outside situation. We look at the outside, but it's actually what? It's inside. It's the nervous react. It's, it's attacking your nervous system, which causes the outside. So sin's at the very core of humanity, of each person. It's incurable. It affects everything. Our thoughts, our actions, our relationships, everything. And the Bible says basically that the word, uh, sorry, that the whole world is one big leper colony. <clears throat> that's, what the, that's, that's the picture the Bible gives. You see, people had leprosy. They, they were isolated, and they had to go... They hung out with lepers. That's what they did. Anybody seen Ben-Hur? Go see Ben-Hur. Good movie. I like the old one. They lived, they were separated from real life. And this world is the leper colony, and God is where the kingdom is, where life is. We're outside of the camp, and unless we're cleansed of our incurable disease, we're not going back in the camp, which is his kingdom. Amen? Amen? And no one in the leper camp can heal another leper. We're all lepers. We all touch each other. Oh, yeah, I'll help you. We're just spreading disease around like crazy. That's, what, that's how the Lord sees it. On our best days, we're lepers spreading leprosy. <laughs> Someone who doesn't have leprosy, who is immune to leprosy, needs to come in and cleanse us. Amen? But are they willing? How many of you want to go into that situation? Eh. But are they willing? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes upon him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. And I keep reading, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in the Son is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. You already have leprosy. You're already, ha- you already condemned. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus is willing and he was sent to come into your leper camp. My leper camp. Amen? And to cleanse us. And he has. And the Holy Spirit is the one who works in the hearts and the minds of people to bring us to the place where we realize, I'm the leper. I'm I'm the leper. It's inside me. It's outside me. It's all around me. It just affects, it permeates me. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the world says, no, that's stupid. Because we're all leopards. see Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and he convinces us that we need to be cleansed. When we bow before the Lord Jesus and we say, I'm a leper. Are you willing to save me from this? What does Jesus say? He reaches out in in the middle of your mess. Whatever you got going on, hidden and open and all that stuff, he reaches into the middle of it where no one else was. And Jesus says, I am willing. Be cleansed. That's Jesus Christ. And that's the good news of the gospel. Amen? If you've never bowed before the Lord and fell on your face and asked him, you know, I would do that right now. Call out to him. Beg him to cleanse you and forgive you and he will reach into that darkness and he will cleanse you and he will give you eternal life because that is the reason why he was sent. That is the reason why he died. And at his word, you are cleansed. I love that. And Luke's going to keep repeating that over and over and over and over in scripture. But notice verse 14. Moving on. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but show yourselves to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I don't want you to go tell anybody about it. I want you to go back to the priests and I want you to go as a testimony and I want you to offer the sacrifices you're supposed to offer. Now, again, this must be something cultural, right? Jesus doesn't say, yeah, look what I did. He says, I want you to do something. So right after this man was miraculous healed, Jesus commands him, be quiet, go to the priests. We already read in Leviticus that the priests were the ones who what? Were the ones who told him he could go back into society. Amen? And let me tell you that there weren't very many people being healed of leprosy up to this point. And so they had to like go, where in the world is Leviticus Leviticus 13? They had to go, blow off the dust and go, what do I do again? And they had to walk through this ceremonial cleansing with this guy. And there was a bird that was killed above a bull. And there was another bird. And the, and, and the one bird died and one bird went free. And then there was a sacrifice of a lamb. And if they couldn't have the lamb, they could do a dove and all this other stuff. And, and, so, and so the lamb had to be killed. And the blood of the lamb had to be applied 
and these uh, and the ear and all these other types of stuff. And, and there was just these sacrifices that the priest had to walk through with this guy. And Jesus is saying, as he walks through this, I'm hoping that the priest will, will, will see through what happened to you that I am the Messiah. And Jesus said, not one thing from the law is going to be removed. And Jesus was right down to the T, obeying the law. Sent that guy right back to the priests as a testimony to them. I find it interesting, too, the Lord, when we come to the Lord and when he saves us, isn't it interesting that the fields he points us back into? Don't you find that interesting that the people, the places he says, don't do this, but I want you to go there. Oh, but I want to go tell these people. He's like, no, I want you to go here. And he directs you into this group. I mean, just think about why you're all here this morning. You're all weird for being here, right? God's, God's kind of guided you and directed you here this morning. And you might be going, well, I wanted to do this or that. And the Lord's got, got you in front of his word. And he's got you in a group of people that will bless and, and minister to you. I'm just saying, when God gets a hold of your heart, he's going to direct you. He's going to lead you to where... Uh, he's called you to go, and you just obey him. Amen? That's the beautiful thing about the Lord, is when he cleanses us, he sends us. Amen? He doesn't cleanse us to sit us. <clears throat> right? Go into all the world. So he cleanses you to go declare it. And where he declares it is going to be, uh, I think, specific. But in this situation, he was keeping with the law, and he wanted to go through this, uh, send him as a, as a testimony to the priests. And they would have to inspect him. And offer sacrifices, as I said, on his behalf. Basically walking him back into worship again. Back into society. And because this disease obviously really wasn't curable, it was a testimony. How in the world did this happen? How in the world did this happen? How was this reversed? And isn't that the testimony of a believer? When I was once lost, I was blind, I was dead in my sin, and now what happens? I'm regenerated, I'm alive. Well, why are you so different? Why don't you have all that disease all over you? Why, why is what's coming out of your mouth all different? Why are you kind now? Why are you changing? What's going on? And your life is a testimony. I've been cleansed from the inside out, that's why. Because my heart was rotten and rotten things came out, but now what's happening? I've got Jesus in my heart. And when Jesus comes in my heart, what happens? Jesus comes out of my heart. <laughs> That's the testimony to the world. That's why Jesus would later say, you know, this is your sign to the lost world is your love for one another because they don't love one another. But don't. Not the way I love, a sacrificial love. Very interesting. But as they sacrificed one bird and let the other go free as they sacrificed and they put the oil on their hands and all these things that represented. Jesus said, don't, don't go tell everyone else. Go to the priests as a testimony and offer these sacrifices as a testimony. Now, it's really interesting is the reason why he said, don't go tell everybody else. I believe if I look in other scripture and I didn't plan this out, it's because it wasn't time yet for him to be revealed as king. And his popularity kept growing. Luke keeps repeating this over and over and over again. People are excited. How many of you, like, if some guy could just heal all your diseases, you're like, I'm going to that church. You know what I mean? That's just what's happening, right? And everybody's like going, I don't care where he is. He's out in the mountains. We're all going, you know? Me too, right? You know, I've, I've, I've been under issues for years, 20 years or whatever it is. So, but 
his popularity kept growing and growing and growing. And, and, and you'll see in other places where they wanted to make him king. And he's like, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And I think he's telling this guy, no, just stay away from the crowds. Don't go spread that. Go to this. The time had not come yet for Jesus to publicly declare himself as their Messiah and king. And Daniel prophesied about what that time would actually be. Daniel chapter 9, 25 prophesies that when the Messiah would come into Jerusalem as Christ the King. It says in Daniel 9, 25, it says, No one understand this from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. And how many of you knew like four score and seven years ago and all that stuff? And we were like, what is that? So Daniel is basically prophesying while the nation of Israel is in exile. So what happened is they were supposed to get in the land. They didn't do it. They divided in kingdoms. They got conquered uh, by different factions. And they went into exile into Babylon. Everybody's out of Israel at the time. They're there for 70 years. And while he's 70 years, the the prophet Daniel receives revelation from the Lord. And as he does, he says, know this and understand this, that there's going to be, while we're sitting here in exile, there's going to be some kind of command. And when that command comes forward to go and put Jerusalem back together, that it will be this certain amount of time before the Messiah comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And you've got to understand, de- Jerusalem is decimated at that time. So this is a prophecy. And he says that when that decree goes out, that's going to start a clock. And at the end of that clock, Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And so from that time, the word went out to restore Jerusalem it would be exactly 483 years. That's the whole 77 times 7 thing. 173,880 days Daniel is, is what it is in Daniel 9.25. So on March 14th, 445 B.C., King Artaxerxes gave the decree. And 173,880 days later, on April 6, 32 A.D., Jesus came riding into the Jerusalem on a donkey as their king. That's pretty crazy stuff. Wasn't my time. I've got the calculator right here. It was his time. And when he rode in, they threw the palm branches down, and he did not tell them not to receive worship. What did he tell the priests? He says, If these people stop worshiping me, what will happen? The rocks are going to cry out. And Jesus came in on a Palm Sunday, which is today. Interesting. I wasn't even planning on that. That's, I'm like, Yeah, Palm Sunday. Ah, high Holy Day. Like, there we go. Okay, Lord, it's important to you. (laughs) Isn't that neat? So, Jesus told this man, Don't tell anyone. It wasn't my time yet. It's not my time yet. However, verse 15, what happens? Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. People came to be healed by Jesus. His popularity was growing. And, and how did Jesus handle the demand? How did, he, how did Jesus handle the demand and the fame and the pressure uh, that were mounting to make him king before his time? That's what our, that's what our, um, our society longs for. It's, it's just narcissistic. I mean, I don't need to know what you're eating. Don't post it. You know, I mean, it's like every two seconds, it's like, look what I'm doing in my world and all that stuff. We're longing for fame, how many likes we get and all that stuff. I know we had to do that for our website, so I'll repent. But I'm just saying, 
Man longs to raise ourselves up. We do. We want to. And what does Jesus do? He withdraws. He didn't need the authority. The authority was already his. He withdraws. You know, Jesus went to the lonely places. He withdrew to be with what? With who? His father. So what was driving his life? Was it the events, the people, the needs, healing people, casting out demons? Is that what was driving what he was doing? That's what God told him to do. But it flowed from everything I'm doing is what the Father has told me to do. And I'm just going to go hang out with the Father. When big things happen, he goes, yeah, that's great. Okay, well, I'm just going to be over here with my Father. And they're like, oh, stay, 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 do this. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's capitalize on that. We've got some momentum. And he goes, no, I've got to go because I was sent to go to a different town because I was just in connection with my father and he said, move on. Jesus was all about his father's will. He wasn't driven by the needs of the people or his own popularity. He was driven and directed and guided by his relationship he had with the father. Isn't that sweet? I want that. Don't you want that? How many people are pulling at you and their needs are all around? Anybody got those things going on with a heartbeat around here? And the father's will was that his son the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah would become the Lamb that was slain. The one with all authority, all power. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, would become the Lamb that was slain. That was the Father's will. It wasn't to build his empire now. It was to lay down his life For you and for me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God made him who had no leprosy to be a leper for us. Our leprosy was put upon him. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 1 Corinthians 5.21 says. As Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom the people hide their faces. He was despised, and he was held, uh, and we held him in low esteem. And surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. I love that. He came into our leper colony and took our sin upon himself. And that's our Jesus. So, this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you're a leper in your heart and the Holy Spirit has been stirring you, this morning, bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords, not before Christ Community Fellowship or Pastor Matt, but Jesus, he's here, his spirit is here. He's the one who convinces you that you're a leper. He's the one not to just rub your nose in it, but what? To cleanse you and to take you out of the leper colony and to bring you to his table where you are his son, where you are his daughter. Amen? 
all the love of God, that we would be called children of God. That's so beautiful. The Lord's calling you this morning. Perhaps some of you are clean already. God's already spoken to you. You've already cleansed. You've already given your heart to the Lord. But you've been walking around in leper clothes. You forgot who you are. Jesus is very interesting. He has an interaction with Peter the night before he is betrayed. And, and Jesus, I, I wrote it down here. It says, the night before he was betrayed, it said in John thirteen three, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin. They began to wash the disciples' feet. Drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter. Who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing now, but you're going to understand it later. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Like, you are Lord, right? And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Do what you got to do. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, Peter. Amen? Pete, you're saved. I just need to wash you up. And then Peter would go ahead and get dirty again that night. Cut off people's ears, betray Jesus three times, go fishing again, go back into the leper colony. And Jesus went out and sought him. Anybody, he went and, go, went and grabbed him. Put him right back into the ministry. Isn't that our Jesus? So where are you this morning? You might just be great with the Lord. And that's awesome too. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as um, as lepers, um, unworthy of anything, unworthy of, Lord, we're just, apart from your cleansing, Lord, we're just so messed up, and yet here you are, willing and ready to reach out and to cleanse. So anyone who has never given their hearts to the Lord this morning, you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask again. You know you're a leper. You know you've sinned against God. And you're stuck in this colony. You can't get out of it. If that's you, I want you to call out in your heart to the Lord. Raise your hand to him and say, Lord, save me. Have mercy upon me if you're willing. If that's you, raise your hand now. We'll pray for you. No one's looking at you, just me, the Lord. Amen. So if you're in the other camp, you just need to be cleaned up. Why don't you give your hand a raise? Yeah. Amen. Me too.
I'm with you. Mm -hmm. It's almost our whole church. (laughs) Amen. The Lord Jesus loves you. And his authority over your mess is complete. Let him reach and cleanse you this morning. Run into his presence and enjoy him. Father, you hear the heart's cry of your sheep, your people. Not your lepers, your sons and daughters now. Your sons and daughters. And so cleanse them, Lord. Draw them close to you this morning. Be Lord this week. Send them out into the world. Show them where they're to go. Send them back to the priests or out to declare it at work or wherever it might be. And let them declare by how they live, by what they say, how they act. Not by a, a bunch of rules, but by you in us. So just fill them with your Holy Spirit this morning. Fill us and use us. And we ask this in the name and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.